0: Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive, with Andy and the White Whale.
1: Welcome to the Deep Dive. We continue our interview series today with one that I'm super looking forward to, Uh Great follow on Twitter, way into the NFL handicapping space. New voice for the deep dive. Uh, and, uh, you know, definitely a, a growing presence uh, among those of us who kind of keep an eye out for uh, up-and-coming sharp, sharp talent when it comes to NFL handicapping. Uh, First-ever appearance, as I mentioned. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go with uh, T.A. Welcome, T.A., to the deep dive.
2: Hey, what's up, guys? I appreciate it
1: uh and uh it's worth note- noting uh your uh twitter handle at Cleve ta i'm assuming that means you're
2: from cleveland <laughs> yeah I, re- I really uh disguised my uh my location it was i think <laughs> i i started that i think I, I i joined twitter like 12 years ago and couldn't think of a name and just went with the the first thing that kind of came to my head and said hey, i'm living in cleveland and those you know made sense so yeah pretty, pretty straightforward <laughs>
1: Excellent. Well, I I followed along uh, with your content last year. Uh, I like that you're kind of, it's fair to say you're pretty much NFL focused when it comes to sports betting.
2: Yeah, I'd say uh, NFL and um, March Madness is probably my second favorite. Um, You know, I think doing full college basketball all year is difficult, but um, really hone in on, um, on college basketball during March Madness, got larger sample sizes, more data. Kind of comb through. So um, those are probably my two favorite. I mean, I do some college football, do some futures, and you know Heisman Trophy, et cetera. But um, I would say my kind of my my favorite and my number one is definitely NFL. Excellent.
1: Well that uh that fits right in with us here. Um, you know, we pass the time with a little NBA, a little college basketball, a little tennis, uh during the off season. But the lifeblood of this podcast is handicapping the NFL. So uh, we're excited to chat with you. I think we share kind of a lot of the same sort of um uh perspective when it comes to handicapping NFL and trying to figure out what matters and You know, trying to use specific uh, angles uh, to differentiate uh, the right side or the right total. So it's going to be a fun conversation here today. Uh, Andy, welcome as always. Um, Any, uh, I guess, Andy, do you want to set this up a little bit? What we we really want to kind of get into today?
0: Yeah, and... It's, it's cool because we see you talking about this on Twitter. Not, not just you, but other people. But uh, it's something that's kind of interested me for a few years, even though I still don't delve too deep into it. But uh, And I think today we said, maybe it was a couple of years ago, one of the first persons I heard talking about some of these things was a uh, Sports Cheetah, who was kind of in the Twitter news today. But he was on a podcast talking about the Super Contest. And I knew what the super contest was. I knew what some of those, and there's more. There's a lot more contests now. I knew what it was, and I knew how it worked. But then he started talking about some of his strategy, like you know, in my head as a maybe naive handicapper, it was always, well, you just you want to pick winners, like you get more points for picking winners. <laughs> but he started talking about, you know, he had fading consensus and where he had had to do because of where he was situated in the standings. And you know, he was for his hand was forced to make a play because there was an injury and he had to play a certain game just because everybody would have it, including some of the people ahead of him. And it was it was super interesting. I still can't bring myself to buy one of those fifteen hundred dollar t-shirts. But uh (laughs) it's always been an interesting topic to me. And and now, now with the the addition of I don't know how long the Golden Nugget's been doing theirs, but there's the Golden Nugget contest that mixes in college football. Circa has one, and then even some of the offshores now are just having their own little ones. Which yeah, you'll see them in New is, Jersey too. You know, we yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And we're not gonna we're not gonna you know. Yeah, this is not an so ad. Free right, too much, right. It's it's a it's worthwhile. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's worthwhile. This is not an ad to uh uh to go play the uh, the specific super contest, but uh, a lot of what we're going to talk about is uh is kind of in that vein today. Uh, and really, just kind of game theory and strategy in general uh, around uh, playing contests. Because I mean, you know, what, what what Andy, what was the first time you played like a, a legit NFL handicapping contest, office pool, uh, or just well, kind even, of even
0: like as a kid. Yeah, i mean fan, i'd i'd say you know a lot of people get introduced through fantasy football or or just a straight up um not even against the spread but you know they'll have contests where it's just pick the pick the 16 winners this week or what what have you you know just a straight up pick 'em contest and we didn't even touch on that there's there's a ton of game theory involved if you want to be doing well in you know, confidence pools, survivor pools, straight up pick'ems like that. All of those things that people get involved with uh, throughout the year, just, I mean, amongst their friends or office. So a lot of that stuff, you know, you can take some of the same, some of the same principles and apply it right to that too. But I I mean, for sure in junior high, I did some, we did like pick'em pools.
2: Nice. Nice. How about you, uh, TA? Yeah, for sure. And it's funny, the, I think I've been in the contest since, maybe 2012 or 13 there's a, there's a website that kind of tracks some of the the, the uh, standings and mine goes back to 2013 so i'll go with that but it's almost like the rise of the uh, world series of poker kind of you know it's just steadily gone higher and higher as so a number of entrants and so you know the popularity has gone up and so you've got kind of mainstream personalities you had bill simmons who was in it that cousin sal so those guys started to talk more about it and that's where you saw a rise in in entries and then now it's to the point where it's like it's really really hard to cash i mean top 100 out of you know it's going to be about 3500 probably this year so um you know it gets really difficult and so you're starting to see other contests like the circuit contest which is a little bit cheaper um they won't have nearly as many entries you see that pop up and like you said just other other uh, contests throughout the country and I mean I'm actually starting to hear locally just kind of like you said friendly pools and kind of mini you know super contests among friends um that that has started to pop up the last couple years as well so it's kind of a it's a fun thing I think it's a good supplement to your kind of weekly uh you know NFL handicapping and um obviously you know the stress of picking the five games per week uh (laughs) wears on you and uh, if you're actually in the you know, if you're actually in the towards the money or even high up, uh, it really gets stressful. It's all you think about the entire week or <laughs> the final few weeks. So it's it's stressful, but it's fun as hell. I have to say.
1: Oh, this is great. Okay, well, uh, that this is a good appetizer. Let's circle back on that in a bit. Uh, but to kind of give people a little bit better uh, kind of um, background on you, you so you've been doing the super contest since 2012. That is uh, that's cool. So you have like a good you know, eight or nine year sample now. That's, that's nice. Uh, what about just betting football in general? Like you go
2: back even further than that. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I've probably been betting, uh, yeah, for about 20 years now. Uh, I would say the first, uh, but I'll say the first 10, 12 years, I was definitely a losing, uh, better like just your general, Hey, let's uh, put a few bucks on some games, but just had no idea what I was really doing. And, um, you know, this it started in college and, um, Sounds familiar. It's just yeah. I'm sure everyone's <laughs> been there, right? Yeah, it's like it's,
0: everyone here.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it took us a while. It took me a while to figure out kind of what really mattered and how to um, you know how to evaluate the, um, yeah, kind of the process and how to evaluate these teams and you know eventually realize that you know it's not always the best team always wins, right? It's not always the favorite that always wins and covers. So um, it took me a while to figure out that it wasn't always overs and favorites, right? So Um, you know, that, that happened for a number of years. And I would just say the last handful of years, you know, I think the contest has helped me, but in the last handful of years, I've really started to, I guess, become a winning um, NFL handicapper. And I guess on Twitter, I've been known as the the guy who's hit a bunch of uh, long shots and futures. That's, that's really what I've kind of made my name uh, from, I guess, if you you say I even have a name, but uh, for the people that do know me on Twitter, that's, that's kind of where it started. I've hit a couple of really, Really Ooh. long shots. Um, you know, I hit, I've hit two of the last three Heisman Trophy winners, um, which was interesting. I hit um, Dak Prescott, rookie of the year, it was like two fifty to one. Like literally two days before Romo, you know, got injured that you know, during that preseason. I um, I've hit some like you know first TD scores in, in some of these games. Like some of the odds, um, oh, they've come back down for the most part. But you could have found. Um, some kind of first touchdown scores, uh, eighty to one type shots. Uh, that hit. I had Paul Richardson. Uh, I think it was about three years ago when he was on Seattle. Uh, the wild card game against Detroit. He had just. He was a rookie. It just started to pick up uh, more more snaps towards the end of the year. I think it was Jermaine Curse who got hurt. So he started to get more snaps. You think he had two touchdowns the last three games, and somehow, some way, he was sitting at eighty to one score the first touchdown. And I couldn't believe it. And so I bounced on it, tweeted it out. I had. And then I went back an hour later. It was still like 75-1. to 1. I went back and, and hit some more. And, you know, by – I think by like, you know, an hour before a kick, it was down to maybe 25, 30-1. And I'm not sure if you remember that game. You probably don't because it's a little bit obscure. But for the Saturday night game, I remember it very well. Saturday night game, that got down to the goal line. It was fourth <laughs> and goal at like the three. And I, I'm good buddies at a bar. And I'm like, wait a minute. Richardson's in the game right now. Super, super set. And they throw him this pass. Wait, they throw him this pass in the corner of the end zone. He jumps over the Lions defensive back at one hand like grabbing his face mask and caught oh, it I with the other this. hand. It was it was the most unbelievable catch. It was a clear offensive PI they did not clear, call it, right, just
0: hand. Right, right, right. Yeah, the entire
2: bar no, knows I'm on it and just like, everyone <laughs> goes crazy and it was just a monster hit and I was just getting I mean, everybody was sending me tweets and so I you know, that was a pretty famous one I had uh, you know, for a while. So um, but you know, other than that, I've got just a couple random like, hey, first TD twenty to one type shots throughout the, the last couple of years. I had Mahomes to lead the NFL in touchdowns last
0: year, oh, like twenty nice. to one. So
2: yeah, so you know, I kind of I like to take some long shots, and I you know, again, that's kind of how I made my name. And then general, you know, through this contest, um, you know, whether you know, you'll get a lot of people that, that will scoff and say, oh, it's a stale line contest. It doesn't really um, uh, measure. You're pure handicapping because you look at line move and it's still lines, and I get that. But I, I pretty much bet all these games myself um, at those lines when I, you know, essentially when I decide to take them during the week. And, you know, I'm doing pretty well. I've hit over 60% the last two years in the contest. I hit almost 62% two years ago. We'll the top 10 for a while. Um, and then I think I've had one year that was below 55%. So, um, you know, I, I think I've been pretty successful here, so I've I've gained a little bit of a following and uh you know, I'm I'm just waiting for that regression, waiting for that big down here because I just don't know <laughs> it's gonna hold up. But uh but so far, uh, so far so good. You so. could have regre-
0: you could have regression the other way. You know, if, if you're True. waiting for that big down year, you could be you could be waiting for that big year where just everything clicks. Yeah. And yeah. that would be fun. God, just money. I mean the money obviously, but the big check and I mean, your your Twitter bio writes itself at that point. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 2019. <laughs> and, I, I, you, you know, you talk about some of those big futures you hit, and I guess, you know, we want to touch a lot on this, the game theory and some of the ideas behind, you know, how to be successful in those, but we'd be remiss if we didn't ask. You know, we are still in the midst of our preseason previews, and some of the numbers are a little beat up, but, uh, you know, do you have some teams you're looking at? Maybe the markets a little off on, some teams you think the market's missing on, one way or the other as far as underrating or overrating or maybe not even teams as uh, individual awards, regular season wins, I mean, anything.
2: Yeah, yeah, so I got a couple ideas. Like I said, the uh, these numbers have been pounded to death. <laughs> um, luckily they've essentially moved my way, I think for all but why the Bengals over was one of my first bets, but that was way before uh, the A.J. Green injury and a couple of the alignments. Sure. I still think yeah. that you know, there's some regression there, and you know, some, they got really unlucky in some metrics. I mean, they were literally the worst team I've I've ever seen against tight ends on um, third downs. It's just like just out of this world, horrible. Like 80% success rate allowed. This is crazy. So I think some of those metrics will turn around. But again, at this point, with with all those injuries and the uncertainty with AJ Green, uh, I probably stay away from that. But I I like Seattle under or just to miss the playoffs in general. At this point, I think that's that's a number that is that is dropped um i got it at nine a while ago i think it's sitting at eight and a half but um you'll be able to get plus money on the eight and a half but i think at this point maybe just missing the playoffs might be a better better wager i mean they've got um they really weren't that great if you look at kind of look under the hood you know 21st in net success rate 21st or 25th in net yards per play they played a schedule that was 11th easiest in the nfl last year um so you know against some bad teams and you know they faced the the Niners twice and the Cards twice with the backup quarterback. So they got four easy games. Um, you know, they Good really points. put up much, they didn't really put up you know big numbers in, in, against that schedule, but um, having Russell Wilson as your quarterback helped and just, you know, first and turnover margin, um, their opponent field goals, uh, field goal percentage was seventh lowest in the NFL. Just a pure, I mean, that's a pure luck, right? There's no such thing really as uh, field goal defense. I don't think so, you know, and, you know, it's one of those metrics that, you know, I mean, how many block kicks do you see a year? Right, it's not often. Yeah, so, not often, um, those are a couple no. of the looks that that regress. And then you look at, you know, I, I posted um, yesterday just some some schedule quirks. I mean, they historically they have been absolutely dominating at home under Pete Carroll on, uh, in prime time games. I mean, 70, seventeen and two straight up, fifteen three and one uh, against the spread in home prime time games since he's taken over. And last year they recorded three. Three primetime games at home, went 3-0, and of course. Uh, they only had one on the road. They lost that one in Chicago. So this year, um, they've got a brutal primetime schedule. They play um, three road games uh, on the road, or three primetime games on the road, only one at home. I mean, their primetime road schedule, they got to play in San Francisco, Philadelphia, and in LA against the Rams. I mean, absolutely brutal. Um, so, you know, they kind of lose that advantage by having to go on the road instead of getting those games at home. Um, and you know they probably won't even be they won't even be a favorite. I don't think at San Francisco um, uh, at night. That's probably either a pick them or you know maybe a slight favorite. But in any event, they're they're gonna you know the definitely underdog there um, in general. And then um, you know you just look at things like their sack rate. Last year they were 14th in sack rate on defense. Um, they lost uh, Frank Clark, who had 13 of their 43 total sacks, is obviously yeah. now on the Chiefs. They they lose. Um, uh, Gerard Reed, who uh, was second on the team in sacks, is going to miss the first six games because of suspension. L.J. Collier, who could have been kind of a, a reinforcement, who's their first-round pick out of TCU, he's he's hurt right now. He's got a high ankle sprain. So, I mean, fifty-four percent of their sacks are gone um, just from those guys. And then you know they really haven't replaced them. So, I think combination of some some luck going against them this year, the schedule you know much tougher, and um some of their their front seven. Um, issues I think are really gonna gonna um, yeah, show itself, especially early in the year. They've got a brutal schedule against some really good offenses. So uh, without uh, Reed in those first six games and maybe Collier, it's gonna be really big. So I, I, uh, I'm fading Seattle. That's for sure. Excellent.
1: That is excellent. That was a hell of a breakdown. Um, what do you make a fair price on uh, the Browns for the Super Bowl?
2: <laughs> You're a Cleveland guy. Oh God, you gotta
1: be. Are you drinking the the the, the orange Kool-Aid this year?
2: You know, their biggest uh, their biggest Achilles heel is definitely the offensive line. Um, their right side is kind of a mess. So they have Chris Hubbard, who came from the Steelers two years ago. Todd Haley signed him when he was the OC last year. He had a rough year. Um, their right guard is a guy named Eric Kush, who's essentially been a career backup. And you know that's the they traded Kevin Zeitler in that OBJ trade, and then the left side they've got Greg Robinson, who's been a journeyman, but he you know he played fairly well. You know he doesn't get high PFF grades. I know that. He only allowed one sack, but he led the NFL in holding penalties uh, in his time last <laughs> year. So right. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So he he I guess from from that perspective, you know, he was okay. I guess if you if you not you know include the penalties, but. That's definitely a weak point. Um, you know, the good news is you have Baker Mayfield. And I think, you know, the better the quarterback and he's mobile and that can match some of the offensive line issues. But I think this team is loaded on offense and you're not even accounting for Kareem Hunt coming halfway through the year. I think OBJ, you see all these um, metrics and stats out there about, you know, Eli was literally the least accurate quarterback in the NFL during his time. And you've got Baker, who was one of the top five he's going to see, you know, you put up all those stats with that quarterback and now he gets, you know, potentially a top 10 quarterback throwing the ball in that offense. I just, it's tough for me to see that offense fail. And defensively they've, they've added a ton as well. Their, their front, their front seven is really good. They've got a couple of good rookie linebackers who are are showing off. So, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. I wouldn't do that. I think 10 wins is, is very realistic. Um, If they won 10 games and, you know, Won a playoff game or got uh, you know, got to the second round. I think that's most realistic. I wouldn't. Um, I would rather have the Colts. If you gave me, you know, gun to my head, if luck is if luck is healthy, I'd rather have the Colts, the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Patriots. So I'd probably put them fifth in the AFC. Uh, but they've got enough of a they've got enough talent and upside there that I think that it's not about a question that they can they can you know definitely win the Super Bowl. So um, I'm trying not to be biased. i typically not biased because I've Bet against them a lot during the last couple of years, um, so uh, you know I definitely am not biased there. But I just think that the offensive talent there is just is, is really as good as it gets in the NFL. Yeah, I'm with you. I think if they get some reps in
1: and the uh, playoffs it's, this it's year, it's been yeah. a while. Yeah, next year. Yeah, next just year, just to even dangerous. get a get
0: a playoff game. Yeah,
1: like, yeah, getting
0: getting a playoff game or two under their belt. It's been I actually had to look this up. I couldn't remember if they had one this century yet. But it has, it's only been since, it's only been since 2003. Jesus. Oh, yeah. The, well, remember, well, Kelly Holcomb versus Tommy oh, Maddox. Jeez. Oh, Jeez. Geez.
2: I mean, the Derrick Anderson year, I think in 2007, they won 10 games. And normally that's, it's, you know, an easy uh, playoff uh, birth. but for whatever reason, somehow that year, 10 wins did not get them into the playoffs. So even, even their one good year, they couldn't get into the playoffs. So, uh, it should be it should be an interesting season. So um, if they were in the NFC, I'd probably like them a little bit more from a value perspective. But the AFC is just absolutely loaded at the top. It's just hard to yep, hard yep, to yep. see them above any of those other teams. Yep, we agree.
1: Um, yeah, got them circled for uh, for February of 2021. Though uh, they are going to be an absolute nightmare with uh, if, after they get a little bit of uh, playoff reps under their belts. Um, go, oh go. God.
0: can you, can you imagine AFC title game in Cleveland, the river's on fire in the background, they uh. run out of the tunnel, <laughs> I'm jacked, I'm jacked. <laughs>
2: You realize they had a scrimmage here last Saturday. They had forty thousand people at a scrimmage. Oh
0: my goodness. Oh I'm I'm sure it's a fever pitch right now. I mean it's just been it is I mean, it's been a good while since they've had this much hope and I mean just the star power and I mean even just the fun names and as fun as Baker is, I try. I try so hard to hate Baker. It's it's difficult. It's really, really difficult. Cause it mostly yeah, proved me wrong. I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't super high on him coming out, and he looks amazing. He showed me up. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so yeah. now I guess I'm a Baker fan. I guess.
1: Yep. 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 Um, okay. Uh, quick. Want to ask you one more quick question about uh, futures because you wrote a great piece that I fully, you know, I fully bought into. Like, oh yeah, holy smokes, this price is ludicrous, uh, and it was your Kirk Cousins MVP look. Uh, Andy on the line here is from Minnesota. He's a Vikings guy. He doesn't really know where to go with the Vikings this year. At least we haven't gotten there yet. We're gonna get there when we uh, record our uh, NFC North preview here in a bit. But um, but. You know, what, what 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 was the take on uh, Kirk Cousins, and why do you think he presents value in the MVP market?
2: Yeah, it was really just a value play. I mean, if you look historically, you know, what what wins NFL MVP? I mean, 11 of the last 12 have been quarterbacks, right? And if you look at how many wins did those teams um, – how many wins did they have that year? Average is 13 wins. So you've got – and none of them were on teams with less than 11 wins. So you obviously have to have the, the upside of 11-plus wins – Um, You got to be a quarterback and just do just that basic filter alone. Um, I was looking at the prices and Kirk cousins was, you know, 70, like 72 to one. He was up to 80 to one at one point. Uh, Among all those quarterbacks that you would say, all right, they have a chance to win 11 plus games. And the, the, the second closest I think was Dak Prescott at 50 to one. It wasn't even close. I mean, Lamar Jackson was 45 to one at the time. Trubisky was 20 to one. It just made no sense to me. Other than nobody really likes Kirk Cousins from a you know it's kind of a boring, boring quarterback and um, nobody wants to bet him. That's the only reason I can come up with uh, because from there is no way that Mitchell Trubisky should be twenty to one and Cousins should have been you know in the seventies. Um, and for me, it's you know I just think that from a kind of characteristic perspective, again Minnesota definitely has the the possibility of winning that division. They could be the best team in the NFC. They can easily win. 12, 13 games. You know, expectations are lowered this year. I think for the Vikings last year, they were everyone's Super Bowl darlings, from what I recall. Uh, a bunch of people picked them to win it. A lot of pressure on him after signing that big contract. So, from that perspective, I think that you know the, the lights aren't going to be as bright on him. Maybe he's going to settle in a little bit. Still has awesome weapons, obviously between Thielen and Diggs. Uh, they drafted Herb Smith out of Alabama at tight end. He can provide some punch. You know, they they increased the um the quality of the offensive line they drafted bradbury's first round center out of nc state so that offensive line should give him um you know some more time he faces the eighth uh, easiest set of pass defenses in the nfl when you look at cboa pass rating uh from oh, last year so
1: no way yeah
2: and and the and last year he played he faced five teams um who are in the bottom ten of DVOA pass defense, and he completed seventy-two percent of his passes, thirteen touchdowns, two interceptions, eight point three yards per attempt. So he shredded those teams that were bad. I mean, he was just—he—he he was really good against the bad defenses, and he stunk against the good defenses. And he's going to face an easier schedule. I and mean, then you look at the kind of the weather conditions. Um, he's not a guy who, you know, you think is going to succeed in cold or, or snowy weather or, or rainy weather. And last last year, he had to go to Seattle. Uh, on a Monday night in, I think it was late November, early December. Uh, they had to play in Chicago uh, late in the year when it was freezing on a Monday night or Sunday night. So he had a, a couple of tough tough outings. They played the Patriots at, at four, you know, local 430 when it was kind of ugly weather. He doesn't have to do any of that. I think his his toughest kind of weather conditions is uh, late uh, late November in Seattle. Besides that, he's playing in a dome or in warm weather for majority of the season. So he's not going to be affected by that. So kind of all of that, you know, you put that in, in, a um, you know, all those ingredients. And I think from, from a value perspective, it made sense. I mean, he is down to 33 to one right now. So somebody moved that line (laughs) uh, or somebody was paying attention. So yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Got got cut in half. But, uh, I don't know, Andy, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I know. And, like I, I did a little Vikings preview with somebody today, and we we touched on it here. And the, I guess by the time you hear this, we'll already have the other podcast, even though we're recording these out of order. But we we have in the future, in the past, talked about the Vikings. I believe everything you said, and I think with the with the top tier wide receivers, the addition of a good tight end to go along with Rudolph, maybe some more play action. And that's what I'm saying. More play action, more. Uh, more plus EV plays like it was just Mike Zimmer steps in says we need to run the ball when you have this great offense you have everything but the offensive line put out there you have maybe that's your only weak spot and as we saw today and in, in a couple of uh, the article and some discussions Maybe an offensive line isn't the most important thing if you're if you're sequencing your plays and calling the right plays anyway. It's more on the quarterback. So I believe in the offense. I'm just skeptical about the play calling. Like uh, the yeah. play calling unwitting, unwittingly can sabotage a great offense like this because it could be a great offense. Diggs and Thielen are all world. Like, and then you decide you need to establish the run. That's going to be an issue. It's best, uh, yeah, that's, that's well, the only thing holding deal, me back. For sure. I've, I so what, think it remind me, it's, it's for sure. Remind me. Three.
2: So two years ago, when uh, the Vikings were what they were—the best team in the and or second best team in the NFC—what did Case Keenum finish in the? Was he in the top five or ten in MVP voting? I don't recall. He had a great year. Um, but that I mean, that's Case Keenum. You know, he 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 put up ridiculous numbers because they they protected him. Um, Shermer actually was a pretty decent offensive coordinator, not a good head coach, but a good defensive or offensive coordinator. So. He put them in good positions and, you know, Keenum was able to, uh, to put up some good numbers and they, they won a ton of games. I mean, if Cousins can do that, plus a little bit more from a you know, passing perspective, I, I mean, at very least, if I can at least hedge it, maybe. <laughs> Be, give me a hedgeable f- position late in the year. Um, well, it's a great number. It maybe, it's a really good number. Yeah. <laughs> like it was. Oh, right. and yeah. that,
0: that's yeah. that's what I want to touch it's on. It's already a good bet. This is something <laughs> I've wanted. Yeah, I've wanted to say this for a while, just because it's just, it goes back to some of the things. We said in like the the cognitive bias episodes, as far as the stuff you'll see in the media and on Twitter, when you see that headline that says Mitch Trubisky is the the biggest liability for, you know, more people are betting on Trubisky than anybody. And he's, this is his number. It's like, well, yeah, I get what his number is now. He got hit because he was 80 to one and that was too high. Like the those those headlines and those sensationalist articles saying, "Oh, everyone's betting on Trubisky MVP." Well, no, they're not. They were. It's the same thing as like, "Oh, the sharps the sharps are on this side." No, they're not. They were they were in <laughs> when it was three and a half on Tuesday, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. And it, the same thing goes with cousins. Like now, like you're, you you wouldn't you wouldn't want to bet cousins, you know, probably at the current numbers. Like you said, I mean, you said it from the get go. It was a value play, and that's something you'll find early in the summer. It's something to look for in the future. If uh, when those numbers first start to come out, there are numbers that are going to be way off, and it's just you know you start looking at the percentages and whatever. I mean, what did you get, Kirk? At I got
2: it eighty to one.
0: When you when you <laughs> yeah, I mean,
2: just, oh, no, I mean, awesome. you think yeah.
0: think of. Think of th- Think about the odds that the Minnesota Vikings, with those two receivers, you throw in a couple decent tight ends, you throw in Delvin Cook, the odds that the offense gets their shit together, Stefanski's a good coordinator, and they, they have a, a decent season like 2017, where they go off, win 12, 13, who knows how many games. I mean, you just, you, how often do you think that happens? Because at 80 to 1, and they're, they're saying it happens like 1% of the time. Yeah, and that, yeah that's crazy. That's just low. It's a little, it's, it's a little too low. I mean, that's yeah. that's kind of how you got to start to look at some of these, and I, it just it For does sure. bug me a little when uh, you see headlines like that. But like, no, I mean, it's smart people took value on Trubisky at a huge number. They're not betting him now at twenty.
1: Yeah, and they that's, might even them, they might even give those tickets back if you let them now, because <laughs> we have not heard yeah, exactly. anything positive out of Bears camp. Um, but okay, All right. yeah, those that are on prop swaps. Yeah, fast. <laughs> Yeah, fascinating breakdown. Either way, uh, that was very, very cool. Let's let's pivot and talk a little bit about uh, the super contest then. Um, so I've, I've, I first uh, kind of came across your content last year. Uh, and in particular, uh, you did uh, especially well uh, in the super contest, especially, um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, in the early uh, in the early quarter of the season. Uh, you were in the running for like, um, you know, like the quarter 15 grand bonus prize, right?
2: Yeah. So last year they started the, you know, on top of the, the year long contest, which is this has normally been, they did, you know, every four weeks, uh, give away 15,000 for the best record. And I started off really hot. So I, I think I was 16 and four, something like that. And I was a half a game ahead of the, the second place guy. And he had he had Denver plus five, I believe it was a, a Monday night game. It was the, it was Kansas city's first of all, uh, no, Kansas city did win that game, but they were just mowing down the opponents. So, uh, that line was a little bit inflated and he had Denver plus five and, um, he was a half a game behind me. So I was trying to uh, see if there's a way to hedge that the line had already moved and it moved maybe like on Saturday to, um, to three and a half or so. Um, so really couldn't hedge too much and found out that, uh, the guy who was behind me, actually, we have a mutual friend locally, and so I contacted him and I thought maybe we can uh, do some sort of a mini, you know, mini split. And he, had, you know, didn't want anything to do with that because he got the better, best of the number. And so I was kind of left, uh, you know, hoping that maybe there was a second half line, maybe Kansas <laughs> yeah. City would be up, and that didn't happen. And uh, they ended up winning by four. Uh, Kansas City did, so it was right <sighs> in between the. The actual number that that you know the the closing line of uh, three three and a half and uh, the contest line of five, so it was absolutely brutal. I was I was praying because because Keenum was trying to drive them down late. there there Denver was out four, and I was hoping for a pick six, but uh, to no avail. So, uh, so I lost that unfortunately, but that was a sweat. If was anybody gonna, was going to deliver, success. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I've we've been seen on the wrong side of that before. I don't yeah, know. we've exactly. seen it
1: before with Kansas City on Monday Night Football the year before they did it against the uh, they got the backdoor cover against uh, the Redskins right oh I'll never forget absolutely that. yeah that's what I was oh thinking yeah. and that
2: happens a lot on prime time um, games too. oh sure not sure. even it happens way more in prime time than it does in uh, regular regular games for whatever reason I think. I think defensive players want to score of course. more on, you know, national TV. So I think that's oh, probably course. why. But yeah, I, that's what I'm primetime games for sure, for sure, <laughs> absolutely. So it was a brutal <laughs> one, well, Wasn't that, that something, Will? Enough.
0: That um, just maybe earlier in in my betting career when I'd in introduction to more gambling, Twitter and the boards and stuff, and talking to other people about what they do. That was something that blew my mind early on. Was people sports betting? to offset other things like that. Yes. You know, thinking absolutely. about hedge, hedging sports betting to offset a contest. In fact, a, a guy that we know that does some stuff with ticket brokering. Yeah. Offsetting, yeah. you know, based on based on how many games will be played in a series in the playoffs that he has, you know, the rights. To tickets, to oh, yeah, he can bet against there being more games based on the fact that how much money he's going to make selling tickets to game six, game seven. So he's betting, betting on the teams to you know get it done in four, five, or six, just to offset losses that he would incur. That would that 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 one actually blew my mind hard. I'm like, God, that's. That's crazy to think about how doing that, but um, it's it's something you have to do, and it, it definitely applies to these contests. If you can find yourself a way to get out of it or middle, and Jesus, that guy sounds like he had a horseshoe up his ass. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of get it that he had the best of the number, but still, it was uh, it was like, come on, throw throw one of us a bone. I mean, it wasn't. It was, I mean, at the time, Kansas City, like I said, was I mean, they were blowing everybody out. So yeah, I thought, all right, maybe maybe I'll just get you know I'll just, the Chiefs will just do it again, but uh, yeah, no no avail. But,
1: yeah, yeah Den- Denver should have won that game. Case Keenum blew a wide open look for the uh, game winning touchdown at the uh, end of regulation, if I remember right. He had Emmanuel Sanders just running free down the uh, right sideline, and he overthrew him by like uh, body length. Um, yep. That was a uh, that was a wild game. And, and Andy, your story was—you I, I, you, you brought—you made me think of one of my favorite stories. I don't hundred percent know. Uh, if we have permission to tell this, but I'm going to tell it anyway because it was such such a great <laughs> one. Uh, but yeah, our our yeah you know, we, we do have a buddy in the ticket broking in- industry, and they basically you know they had locked down what like a couple hundred tickets to Game Seven of the World Series and against the what was it Indians Cubs, uh, and they're basically like oh, okay oh, these yeah. tickets like if this game is played these tickets are worth blank to us because yep. we will resell these Game Seven tickets for. You know they'll go. You know baseline. They're going for a K a pop. You know, but you know so. You know if if the game happens, it's worth this much to us. And if it doesn't, then we will be out this much, right? And so basically, like he was like, you know, flew. Him, they flew him directly to Vegas with a bag of cash, and they were like, "You're going. You know, go and place bets on the Indians to win Game Six because, you know, if if uh, if they do and they close out the World Series, then we are screwed." Uh, and yeah, he was showing us the tickets, and you know, sure enough, Dave, David Perdomo's tweeting out, "Oh, sharp player walks in and played, you know, Indian money <laughs> for forty grand." Just you know, like he's like, "Yeah, well, not exactly a sharp player, but yeah, that's why we were there." So, you Well,
2: know, that's no, funny it's you say that. Crazy. That's interesting. Like that, yeah. You just don't know these headlines. People take it as, "Oh, it must be some real <laughs> yeah. big guy." No, I mean, just laying, he's laying some. Some risk off. but always exactly. You gotta cover your liability. Yeah. Um yeah, you'll so, you'll
0: never know why some of those bets come in. That that was the biggest lesson for me out of that whole situation. Like, you'll, yeah, you'll right. never know why why some bets come in. It could be wild ass reasons like that. Yeah,
1: we still don't so, know why like, that take, guy bet, take everything we, with a grain of salt. We still don't know why that guy bet eighty grand on Tiger Woods uh out of oh, the freaking blue first bet he ever made in his life sure enough yeah you know, right. right but you know yeah that that there's there's all kinds of weird stuff like that in the uh, in the coverage of, of the of the mega plays at these shops but anyway we digress uh so super contest specifically i have i went i did a full-on deep dive on into the stats from the last couple of years because it's so interesting because it's such it's a it's a big part of the popular you know content you know, around surrounding sports betting and NFL betting, uh, year in year out now. Uh, and you know, this this um, you know this particular contest, it's worth noting a couple things. For you know, for those of you listening who are especially sharp players, um, you may ask, well, why don't you know why don't I play this? I, I haven't played the Super Contest now in the last two years. I kind of got to the point where I was like, eh. Like, yeah, they're taking a rake now. Oh, my God. So many people are competing, like, it, you know, diminishing returns, really, in, ter- in terms of, like, how much time it took to really, uh, you know, kind of go through the picking process. And you, you brought it up, right? If you're doing well, like, good luck getting anything else done in your entire life. Because, <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's life-changing money. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's but it's still, it's, it's a hell of a lot of fun. There's a lot of people out there who will enter pickems and you know and you know that particular contest and other contests and stuff like that. But just you know a couple things to look out for. Definitely check on is there a rake? Um, it's worth noting, for instance, in, you know the super contest and the super contest gold this year. The gold does not have a rake, uh, but uh, the trade-off is it's winner take all. Um, so you're not going to necessarily cash even if you have like an unbelievably solid you know, uh, unbelievably solid season. Um, and you brought up something interesting, uh, towards the beginning of the podcast where you were like, you know, people kind of, you know, poo poo, uh, how, you know, records related to the super contest because it's, you know, you can just pick against stale lines. And so I kind of thought I, I, I've heard that criticism. I've made that criticism in the past. Like I've definitely been like, Oh yeah, well, anyone can do better than 50-50 because, you know, you get a you know, handful of free plays every week, right? And, but I was kind of curious, and Andy and I were talking behind the scenes at one point, and I was kind of like, I'm, I, better, I have the data. I'm just going to freaking run in because I'm curious. It's like if you just take if you, you know, what, what – what is the baseline, right? Like what is the baseline for, um, you know, expected performance if you're picking super contests, right? Like it's not 50-50. It's not, you know, coin flipping, right? Um, there's no VIG on the lines, like you're getting plus three and minus three on either side. Right. Um, So the question is like, you know, what is, what is an expected performance? And so I said, okay, well, let's just take Saturday morning. um, We'll look at you know when the picks are due, we're going to exclude Thursdays. We're going to exclude Saturday games, Um, but we're going to look at Saturday morning picks here and say, okay, well, we'll take the top five uh, biggest line moves of the week. And just pick those five. So basically, the five most stale lines, you know, any given week, mm-hmm. right? And say, okay, that's your—that's the entire process. We're not doing any additional handicapping. Just taking the five stale lines. Andy, guess for me, uh, what percent did that process yield you in the super contest in 2018?
0: Uh, like 54.
1: Oh my gosh! On the nails. I didn't prep. That's you what I was gonna at say all, too. Really? Like, Fifty-four oh, percent. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. You would feels, have gotten... Yeah. With even yeah. with like yeah synthetic CLV like that, you still got to be a winner.
1: Yeah. That's well, you true. wouldn't win the that's contest. Exa- yeah. That's exactly the point I was gonna make there. But yeah, uh, if you would, if you had taken the five stainless lines every week, week in week out, you get forty-six wins last year uh, out of eighty-five picks. 54.1%. Um, and, you know, it's – it's uh, and that's kind of reflected in the distribution of results. Um, TA, what would you guess uh, the median win percentage was amongst the 3,000 players last year?
2: Um, I'd say 52%
1: oh you are on money again uh it's a little lower than just picking against stale lines presumably because some people just kind of give up i guess right i mean like a lot like like they're <laughs> like the scores were looking at the end like you're looking at a point and if you don't get your picks in some given day then right you, know, you don't get anything right so it makes it look like you lost five when you really just didn't pick anything so um the uh uh, so, yeah, 52% gets you the median. 54% uh, is the basically doing nothing, doing <laughs> no handicapping at yeah. all. Uh, and uh, what, it is, what does it take
2: to get into the top 100? So, just to put it in perspective, last year I hit 60.2% and I was 187th Ooh. in
1: the rankings.
2: <laughs> uh, two years ago. Two years ago, I hit sixty one point nine percent. I was thirty third. So it, you know, it all depends. But yeah, you need to hit. Oh, it's gotten a lot to even, tougher. Yeah, it's gotten yeah, a lot tougher. Yeah, to even to even have a shot, you have to hit sixty percent to even you know smell the top ten. And then at that point, it's such a there's so many people that are cl- so many entrants that are close that you know one or two wins can really change things. So I mean, you sixty one percent would be probably the goal um, to make money here. I would think, but. Um, it's definitely changed throughout the years. That's for sure. It's, uh, okay. it's rough.
1: So how do you? So what's what is the way to kind of game theory this then? Because you need you know there are some. I guess what is the What is the dividing line between you know game moves three points, game moves across a key number, the entire field is going to have it. Like there's really no point in trying to be you know, to try to be a contrarian in that spot, right? Like, I mean, if it's – like, there has got to be certain games where you have to take it if the line is moved, you know, a certain direction by a certain amount, right?
2: Yeah, and I think it depends why the line moved. If it's a pure quarterback injury, then it's almost automatic, right? It's, right. There true. was, um, I think, when Deshaun Watson tore his ACL, so there was a game again. Oh, yeah. It was right Colts. before – the yeah. yeah, two years ago, right before the Colts. I think the line was like – think they were like minus i think houston was like minus eight or nine or something at home against the colts deshaun watson tears his acl and then the line uh so the the contest line was like minus nine and the true line after um he was determined to out on friday or saturday was like it was like minus five or minus four i forgot what it was but it, it was you know off by like five points so everybody took Houston, or sorry, everybody took uh, Indianapolis, and the Colts, I think, won that game outright. That wasn't automatic, just based on who the backup was, and there's just such a, it was such a huge um, spread between, you know, the, the stale line and, and the actual line. But, I mean, if it's just purely a, there's really no news, it's just, you know, major steam, then you know, I think you can then at that point you can at least consider um, they're going against it or just laying off for me personally. I went, if I'm ever thinking about that game theory, I just, I just don't touch it. If I ever want to be contrarian for, you know, late in the year or whatever, I, I just don't touch it. I don't necessarily go opposite. Um, okay. okay. Um, but again, I, I, there are, I think it depends why, why the line moved and, and whatnot. and, I, and so, Real quick, though, back to your, your, your comment. The reason I, I made the comment about how, you know, people scoff at this not being a, um, you know, legitimate, I guess, um, handicapping, you know, uh, measure is because of that still line. And you mentioned, you know, if you just took the, the top five line moves, you get hit 54%. Well, I think people don't realize that there are times, like you said, that the line um, is off for whatever reason by a bunch of points and you, you're kind of forced to take it, and then it loses. And that's not a game that you normally would ever take. So I remember vividly um, whenever oh, Michael a good point. was on the Jets. Yeah, so Vic was on the Jets, what, five years ago, six years ago, and they were playing in Buffalo. It was an, like late December or late November, early December game. Buffalo was a, uh, a two-and-a-half point favorite at home. So that was the contest line, and then on Thursday or Friday there uh, was a report that there would be a huge blizzard in Buffalo. So they moved the game to Toronto, <laughs> oh, I remember and this. yeah, so it was a neutral game on Monday night That's in right. Toronto, and and the actual line flipped, and I think the Jets were like minus two. So I said, you know, I didn't even, I never even considered that game on my radar at all during the week. And I didn't actually like the Jets, but I, you know, I was like, got to take advantage here. You know, you've got a neutral game. you got essentially a four or five-point freebie, and I know a lot of people are going to take it. So I took it, and they got absolutely trained. <laughs> they got absolutely steamrolled. They lost, like, 40-7. to seven. Vic was awful. The complete train wreck. And I was, I was beating myself up just nonstop. Like, why in the world would I even bother getting involved with that side? You know, I didn't even like the Jets at all. It was just purely because of the line move. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback for uh, for Buffalo. It was just, it was just awful. a monster game, and I was just, I was dreading it. So, you know, so there <laughs> are situations. Magic. Yeah, there are situations every year like that. It happens all the time. It happens multiple times a year. So, so as many times as you get kind of advantaged by a half a point or a point uh, on a key number that's stale in the contest, and, and I could probably count on one hand in the last couple of years that I actually that I recall like getting lucky that I got the better line in the contest versus real life. Um, there's just as many, or you know, maybe not just as many, but close to as many um, things that happen on the other side that I normally would never, I never would have taken the jet in that situation. And in real life, I didn't actually bet the jet. There was a purely a contest. Sure. So I, I think people have to understand that that's part of it too. Like they never see that side of it. It's only the, okay, you get the stale line benefit. Um, so, just, sure. I Just th- thought that was kind uh, of interesting. Yeah, so. the other
1: thing that people ignore when they're criticizing this sort of stuff is, you f- you're forced to pick five a week, you know. So right. uh, like sometimes, sometimes there's not five sides <laughs> I like in a week. There's lots. Do you, re- of, there's do you lots remember of
0: when like we now. did the one on Twitter? Yeah, of course. yeah, we we missed we missed several weeks. You oh, you don't have to bet five every week. We we forgot to right. a couple times. I
2: I would say during the week, I usually love three games, and I love, but I I really feel good about three. I would say on average three, sometimes four. Never feel good about all five, but never. I mean, it's always like, all right, these two, three, I really like, maybe a fourth if I'm lucky. And then I just got to find that last one. And um, that's where, you know, you just kind of dig a little bit and, and you have to make exceptions and, you know, wait till Friday afternoon and look at the injury report. and Maybe, you know, you take a shot because of that so um yeah that makes it difficult but i mean also with the stale line a lot of times these line moves occur you know saturday night or sunday morning after a lot of all the picks sure. are in yeah
0: sure. so you
2: don't even get you might get lucky with the line move but you didn't you didn't plan on that so again that wasn't you know it's not like part of the strategy so i knew that line was going to be like that on sunday morning you, you know when you turned on the picks it just it happened after all the picks were submitted so some of that is kind of organic anyway but um yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, and, and I, I understand the case, but uh, but there's definitely the other side of it as well.
0: God, that that makes me think about the consensus play as well.
2: Yeah, how many times
0: do we the... see bring that? Uh, yeah, that was. I, I don't know if yeah, that was probably percolating in your mind too, but like, I don't. I don't take that into account, and honestly, by that point in the week, I'm most of my plays are in. The only thing I, by the time we see consensus plays, the only thing I'm waiting for is maybe a first half or a teaser at that point. But yeah, some people really take that hard. It's like, oh man, I made a couple bets, and they're in the they're in the consensus place. Like yeah, and, uh, oh the number one pick in the Super Contest don't is don't the <laughs> I'm yeah, don't yeah, yeah, that's yeah don't, don't do no, that. That's not yeah. a thing.
2: That's it's on thing. both ways. I <laughs> it see both sides. Is for I sure. mean, just like anything else, but, uh, but I don't know, like I said, from a from pure sweat perspective, when you're late in this contest and, you know, like you said, you've got five picks to make the last couple of weeks. I mean, it is brutal. Just the, I mean, especially late in the year when there's so many injuries and so many different considerations, like you just, you gotta pay attention. And that's, you know, for me, uh, you know, we, we dm DM each other about Hey, I mentioned, I'm not really a big modeler, you know, when I, um, both for the contest and just in general for the NFL, you know, I'm a, I absorb so much information. There's so much good information out there, um, just in general, uh, on Twitter and um, you know, listen to podcasts like you guys, and just you get really good information. If you can absorb all the information that's out there and be able to disseminate, you know, what really matters um, and what doesn't matter, you know, that's a skill set right now in, in kind of the modern age. I mean, we didn't have to do that. You know, when I was in college, there was no, there was none of that. But now, good with point. all the the information on Twitter and podcasts and so much good data and people are just giving out free stuff um and and forces you to uh to really dig in a little bit more if there's something that's maybe contradictory to what you thought so you know that that alone is a skill set that i think a lot of people kind of underrate so i use that a lot and i just use a lot of matchup data um and uh you know those sorts of things are really the the key for uh for kind of how i how i pick these games and um and no, really injuries i think are just a huge factor especially cluster injuries and um kind of off on uh, splits with certain guys on defense especially i think are really important so um those are the things i really focus on more than anything else uh versus just pure modeling i'm not good enough of a modeler and this market's too efficient for me to come up with anything that i think uh is going to beat the market if i'm ever off on on a model that's <laughs> Versus the market, I'm usually doing something wrong, or I'm missing something. So it's not because I have an advantage. So I definitely, uh, definitely
1: avoid that. Well, this is the, this 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 cuts to the core of kind of like my sort of philosophy and and kind of baseline thesis for NFL handicapping. Because I agree with you. Like there's a lot, you know, it, you know, and and basically the market itself is a reflection of all of these people's models. Right. And you're, you know, whatever you, whatever you come up with to to get a baseline projection is not going to be better than a correctly weighted sample of 10,000 people's. Right. Like there's just no possible chance. And so your best bet as far as kind of coming up with, you know, some edge against a highly liquid, highly efficient market like this is to come up with differentiating factors. And sometimes that's travel. Sometimes it's rest. Sometimes it's matchup. Sometimes, you know, th- sometimes there is information that like is driving the market. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exa- I mean, Shoot, a ton of, we don't like to talk about this because so much of it is speculative, but a ton of NFL, you know, it, d- differentiated factor is just motivation, which is wild to oh, say it, sure. but like, it, you know, you have to think through that stuff and it, it sounds like cuck- cuckoo talk to, to kind of, t- you know, to, to just be like, oh yeah, no, we're speculating that this team is going to be up for this game as opposed to. Every other team, not you know what, what, you know, of course, everyone wants to win, you know, but like, no, like sometimes teams are thinking about other things, uh,
2: for sure. So, oh, yeah, so, and
1: you know, it's so nice. let me hit on
2: this point if you, if you give me a second because I think it's really important. And I think, I think cheetah does it too. I think he's got like a psychology background. So, sure, yeah, I know she sure. uses that with some of his handicapping, but I know for a fact because I know NFL players, I know ex NFL players, I know a coach in the league, an assistant coach right now. Um, One hundred percent, they don't. They aren't always focused uh, the same every single week for every single game. They one hundred percent all read their press clippings. They know exactly what is being said about them, from a positive and negative standpoint. They know the criticisms. They know who's getting patted on the back. That all is um, part of the equation, and they feed into that stuff. I mean, there so many times. It doesn't. Again, it's not one hundred percent perfect, but so many times, you know, how many times do you see a team just kind of come out flat? And it's because they sure. weren't prepared. They were. They were thinking about other things, like you said. That the line was ten, and everyone on ESPN is saying that they're going to blow out that. You know, their opponent is going to be an easy win. Everyone's talking about how great they are. Like they, they listen to that stuff. Um, you know, unless you're the Patriots, maybe they might be the only ones. But, but in, in, in general, these players, especially nowadays, more than ever, they listen to this stuff, and it really, I think, it's a, a legitimate factor. Um, and I know that there are. It might have been Rufus, or, or someone has talked about, hey, there are studies that say, you know, there's no such thing as letdown or look ahead. I, I don't agree. I think it's really hard to, to decipher. Like, how do you, how do you even? What's your input as to which games you would consider a letdown or a look ahead? At? Sure. Unless you're just purely looking at a schedule spot, I don't know. But, um, but I know this for a fact. I mean, I know these guys. Some some care about certain weeks and some don't. And if you can apply that, that that's something you can't really stick in a model. I don't think. So, yeah, so you include that plus, uh, you know, some of the, the, you know, cluster injuries and some of the injuries I think is very, you know, that are very underlooked in the market. Um, you know, Grady Jarrett, for example, is a perfect example. Last year uh, I had the Steelers at home against uh, the Falcons. I think it was four and a half point spread. And I saw some off on splits with Grady Jarrett uh, off the field were just night and day. That defense gets shredded when he's off and when he's on, they're actually a legitimate, you know, solid defense. And they lost, I think they lost Deion Jones as well. So the middle of the field completely evaporated. And I said, you know, there's some really compelling numbers. I, I hammered the Steelers and they they blew out Atlanta. It wasn't even close. And a guy like Grady Jarrett is not moving the line, right? Like a guy no, a guy like no. Matt is not moving the line at all. But, you know, if you dig in a little bit, you can actually see that I think that matters along with, you know, other injuries within, you know, a certain field position or uh, part of the field that, 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 you know, can be affected. So. I think those things are all not things I could ever put in a model, and things that I definitely consider on a week week in week out basis. So um, I agree with you for sure. Yeah, yeah, yep. yep.
1: This is good shit, man. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, at, at its core, like even in this highly liquid, highly efficient market there are misses. The lines are, you know, the, the lines will miss from time to time. You'll have games like you just brought up, that Steelers game. I was on them as well. I remember that super well because, and actually, I, I know this because the line was three, and I sold out to minus three and a half, and a bunch of people were like, you can't you can't play three and a half. Like, what are you doing? It's, three is a key number, and I was like, like, <laughs> shit i can like four <laughs> yeah yeah it's like was like guys yeah, you know like first of all this is a super high total so three is not worth as much Blah blah blah. but anyway but uh that was that was a great example for that and for sure like you know you brought it up in an article you wrote uh this week that i read about uh philadelphia eagles have just an absolutely brutal spot after they come off a divisional contest again you know the first contest against the cowboys this year presumably to establish who will be the top dog in the NFC East from there they go on the road to Buffalo third road game in a row like that is just a horrific spot like if you're telling me that they're going to have the same motivation and the same fire in the locker room right. before they kick off for that Dallas game as they will for that Buffalo Bills game i will not buy that like no freaking way like crazy things Absolutely. may happen like they may get a you know f- a freak fumble freak interception they may match up especially well with you know the bills and win that game, but like I, I just I cannot put those two uh, contests on on neutral ground in terms of how the team and the emotion and the energy coming into those will be. You know le- they're not on level ground; they're just not. And you know, so I, you got to circle those. You got to do some analysis and schedule for that stuff. And it it's fantastic that uh, uh, that that form helps formulate a handicap for you because um, you know differentiating factors what will kind of help you find um, you know, things that the market overall is not capturing is your best bet to win the NFL. And, um, you know, it's, it's, and, and sometimes the market will capture it and you can capture closing line value. Like, you know, we go back and forth on all this stuff. And, you know, obviously like over the course of time, you know, the market itself is absorbing this and, you know, is learning that yes, some of this stuff matters. And so, you know, if you find that, you know, share it makes a two point difference in a game and you, buy into it at minus three and then it closes at minus four and a half. Like you made a great bet, right? Like, you know, like that, that sort of stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely comes into play too. It's part of the broader picture. But um, let's, uh, let's wrap this up with a couple of, a couple of questions, just rapid fire stuff related to the super contest. Just curious uh, how you approach from a strategy standpoint. Um, Number one, uh, do you just completely stay off Thursday games?
2: It has to be one that really sticks out um, or if I just don't really love a ton of games on Sunday, so you know, hey uh, if I can't find five games on a Sunday, then let me take this Thursday game because it's um I think I've got a better edge versus anything else on third on on uh, on Sunday you know afternoon or Sunday night um but in general yeah, I try to avoid especially later in the year when there's the injury reports on Fridays are huge that's that's literally yeah, yeah. the, you know, Friday at 1 PM is huge. So, uh, but early in the year, you know, maybe I take a shot at like one or two a year on Thursday night. If if I really uh, don't like anything else during the week,
1: if it's like a rookie
2: head coach, for instance, who doesn't know how to get his
1: team (laughs) prepped. Yeah,
0: Yeah, seriously. Uh, Like those are really good spots. Yeah. Yeah. Are you doing any other contests or just, you just doing the super contest doing circa or the, the gold nugget or anything? So I haven't signed up
2: yet. I'm trying, I'm trying to find a time. Uh, I've got a ton of stuff going on. Uh, personally, I got a real job. So I'm trying to find uh, time in the next two weeks. But uh, I think I'm going to do the, the regular super contest and probably uh, one entry in the circuit just to fill nice. it out this year. Um, nice. I, it's funny you thought about the gold winner take all I would have won it two years ago with how I finished, no. I finished 33rd like that was no. Me, right? no well yeah because it's such a smaller contest I mean I hit yeah, right. percent right. like of course I was going to win that I think the winner was like 59 or 60% I would have blown it away but yeah, yeah. everyone else who was in the top fifty probably could have said the same thing, but yeah, that was uh. I've always thought about it, but it's just five grand for winner take all. Yeah, I'm just not doing it. It's yeah, stuff. Yeah,
1: it depending on what your unit size is for game by game, like that's stuff you could put to work for the regular season, right? Like you can put that, that into, yeah. into play and potentially do even better than that, especially since it's winner take all. Um, the um uh other quick quick question. Uh, we talked about consensus plays in super contests. Do you factor that in at all? Do you try to think of like you know, oh man, the public is really buying into this total horse shit this week and i'm staying off that team because it's going to be overweight
2: contest what yeah again i I think that your contest strategy is a lot different probably the back half of the year than it is earlier in the year but you know i can i I sit there because i also have a group entry with some buddies so i have my own i have a group entry and we'll sit there and i'll say here are the top here's going to be the top three consensus and i usually hit you know one or two of them at least um, so that that is a good tiebreaker. Is avoid those if, <laughs> yep, if that's yep, one yep. that we're thinking about. So, and a I'm typically Centurium. And I'm a typical contrarian guy anyway, so it, it usually don't see that finish, you know, not usually thinking about a lot of those in the, in the top couple anyway, so. Right, 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 right. It doesn't play into your decision-making so much as
1: just kind of just the exercise of, okay, these are the ones that are going to be consensus. You're not looking to fade those spots specifically, but you just want to know. Okay. Um, last, maybe most important question. Uh, how important is your team name for the Super Contest?
2: I mean, it all comes down to that really, right? Well, my team name is just my Twitter handle, so it's simple <laughs> enough. I haven't been uh, smart enough to change that yet, uh, but uh, I probably should because yeah, uh, you're gonna have uh, high profile. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah, you gotta, have
2: the, you, gotta, you gotta have a
1: secret team name. Although now it's good luck, though, and you you have a, I know. you have an established record too, right?
2: Well, yeah, and that's the point. Is like it keeps your track record. So if I change my name, you know, there are people that I, there are. I, I saw someone pointed out to me a, a forum that actually has been tracking who are the best, uh, you know, handicappers in the contest the last three or five years. And I think I was either number one or number two, kind of an aggregate. And so, yeah, it's kind of cool to have that. Uh, kind so of you got to stick there. with it. And so I, yeah. I got to stick with it. Plus I have, like I said, I have a group entry with some buddies and we have a totally different name for that. So that's kind of my stealth. If I ever need to, you know, hedge late in the year, I will use that. Uh, I've already talked to them about, you know, Hey, we'll, uh, we'll split it up and uh, kind of use that as our. As my personal hedge and so they're okay with that. so I've got that stealth one just in case that uh, not a lot of people know about so that nice. helps out as well
1: Nice, nice nice okay well let's wrap this up. this was absolutely awesome. I think people are going to really love this episode you you have you have a you have a, a voice and a cadence for uh, for radio by the way so if people give you more opportunities that you should jump on it because you're you got the you got the uh, you got the skill set for this. Um, thank you again. Appreciate that where can people track you down again?
2: Uh, the Twitter handle is C-L-E-B-T-A, C-L-E-B-T-A, pretty, pretty sta- standard, straightforward. So, but I appreciate you guys taking the time. It was uh, really fun. All right.
1: Well, we appreciate, uh, appreciate the interview. Yeah, no, and, uh,
2: absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah. Good luck to your brownies this year. Uh, Andy, uh, what was that OBJ news you tweeted at me?
0: Well, he apparently he's super hurt and he's not going to play all year. Nah, i don't know it's yeah, just, all right it's 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 <laughs> it, a really bad... no, something happened he, yeah yeah he's no he, something something weird like they won't say i don't think it's an injury i think he's being a weirdo like he is like he, he's not practicing and the, the it said in quotes because he has some things going on okay yeah, no, I, what does that even mean frostbite so, i, I think or he's something.
1: fine yeah okay I I he's probably getting race. his hair colored yeah that could be all right well uh, good luck to your brownies uh, I'll, I'm, I'm looking for a nice uh, kind of mid-season market entry on that team to win the AFC North uh, their schedule is super backloaded with AFC competition so uh, uh, hopefully they, uh, they they have a little bit of a learning curve early in the season and we can get a nice price on them mid-season but uh, yeah thank you again best luck this season best luck in the super contest and uh, that was a fantastic job by you and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, keep in touch awesome guys be in, in touch